Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. I am your host, Fred, the NFL Always Offseason GM, and this is another episode of the Pound the Table podcast, your one-stop shop for all NFL-related content. Uh, we put together another great episode here for the, you this week. Uh, as always, we're, we're trying to get the viewer involved as much as what, as possible, and it's made specifically for you guys. So we're going to dive into our top day three rookies that were selected in this year's draft to go over who could be your top contributors. Also, our State Your Case segment where it's Travis Etienne versus Najee Harris as voted on by the viewers. Uh, who would be the better impact running back in 2021. And we'll also go through some of the recent news and uh, give us our take on our side of things as well for anything that's been going on lately. So without further ado, let's get after it. So to touch on some of the bigger uh, recent NFL news here around the league, uh, the first story being the Ryan Kerrigan outside linebacker, edge defender, formerly of the Washington football team, is signing a one-year, $3.5 million deal to play for the Philadelphia Eagles division rival in 2021. This comes just on the heels of uh, Kerrigan actually announcing via Instagram that he will not be returning to the football team and actually just shortly after announced that he's going to the Eagles. So this is surprising in the fact that he was a, um, a mainstay on that Washington defense for quite a number of years here now and was fairly productive in a part-time role behind Montez Sweat and Chase Young last year. So looks like the Eagles are going to be getting a, a key piece that can be a good rotational guy for them on the defensive line and add some depth behind Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, all them guys there. So good piece for them to add. Uh, next up on the recent news would be Marquise Lee, former Jacksonville's former New England Patriot wide receiver, announced that he's signing with the 49ers. Uh, for the 2021 season, uh, Marquise Lee signing with the Niners kind of creates a little bit of a log jam there. Uh, obviously, they have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and then they got guys like Mohamed Sanu, Richie James, uh, Trent Sherfield, and Jalen Hurd to go with another recent signing and Travis Benjamin as well. So a little bit of a log jam there of a kind of the middle tier guys. Obviously, Debo and Ayuk are going to be at the top end of that. But uh, that third, fourth job is going to be up for grabs, and it's going to be interesting to see who kind of comes away with it. Marquise Lee, fairly productive before tearing his ACL there in Jacksonville. So just another key piece to add to their wide receiver room. Uh, the next piece we wanted to hit on here is going to be Brian Hoyer signing with the Pats. Uh, one-year deal. I, I find this a little bit interesting because it was preached all along that, oh, Mac Jones is going to be this NFL-ready quarterback and all of this stuff like that. And, you know, he's going to compete with Cam. Uh, in my opinion, I don't really get this signing unless, you know, you're just going to try to add some veteran leadership or maybe he's just, I don't, I doubt he's just a camp arm. But in terms of that, uh, I just find that a little bit interesting. Uh, Brian Hoyer kind of rounding out that QB group going to play most likely like a QB3 veteran leadership role for them. Uh, interesting nonetheless. Uh, another piece of information that is of the recent NFL news is going to be offensive tackle Morgan Moses is on the trading block. Uh, Morgan Moses has been a mainstay on the offensive line for the Washington football team. And after acquiring Eric Flowers via trade from the Miami Dolphins to play, most likely I'd guess inside, that's what he did last year in Miami. And then also Samuel Cosme through the draft 
it, it made Morgan Moses a little more expendable. Uh, he, he's by no means been like a bad offensive tackle, very, you know, average, above average kind of guy on the offensive line there. And yeah, I think I read a stat that he hadn't missed a game since like his rookie year in like 2017 or 2018. So that, that kind of stability is kind of big for the, the football team there. And that just leads me to believe that they're going to give Cosme every chance to win that job there on the right side or left side, one of the two. But either way, uh, they're going to give him every opportunity to win that and be a big part of their offensive line in 2021. So Morgan Moses, most likely on the trading block here, looking to possibly be waived in the short future. And then the last piece of information coming out of Denver is going to be Deshaun Hamilton actually tore his ACL training away from the facility. Uh, the key piece in this is that the former Bronco, obviously now that he's waived, is he was on the trading block, and there was actually a couple teams interested and had reached out. I, I know we said the Niners signed Marquise Lee. They were rumored to be one of the teams. So now that uh, we're looking at Deshaun Hamilton no longer being on the team, they're most likely not going to get any compensation. I believe it was just uh, this morning here as we're recording this on Wednesday morning that he is no longer with the team. So Deshaun Hamilton, uh, former fourth-round receiver out of Penn State, Way from the Broncos, uh, they had a little bit of a log jam anyway there with Court and Sutton coming back and then drafting the two guys last year, KJ Hamler and, uh, excuse me, Jerry Judy. So that's going to add another extra layer here in, in the, the ongoing saga between the players versus the players union where there's going to be a fight to have players not report to minicamp. Obviously, the teams want the players there. And they sounds like they have been uh, with multiple camps reporting at least, you know, 60 to 70 players reporting uh, for voluntary workouts. So we'll have to monitor that as we keep on going here. But uh, the Deshaun Hamilton era, Jawan James era, both over in Denver. And that was the last news story we wanted to hit on here for the recent NFL news. As we mentioned, we're going to dive into some of the day three rookies selected and give you our top 10 that should be able to or possibly could contribute to their teams in 2021 so just to recap that day three would be any selection from the beginning of round one or excuse me round four the beginning of round four to the end of round seven so basically we're going to start off at number 10 here and our number 10 option in this situation is going to be it's kind of cheating here. We're going to go with one of the Arizona Cardinals cornerbacks, either Tay Gowan or Marco Wilson. Tay Gowan, obviously, out of UCF, and Marco Wilson out of Florida. Uh, Wilson was a fourth-round pick, and Tay Gowan was a sixth. Uh, recently, the Arizona Cardinals had uh, acquired Malcolm Butler, and they still have Byron Murphy. Murphy's more of a slot player, and uh, Malcolm Butler coming over from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he's he's getting a little bit uh, later in the years here. He's about 32 years old. And they uh, actually retained Robert Alford as well, too. But uh, Robert Alford is a solid starter. Nothing to write home about there. But it, I definitely think that if one of these guys shows up to camp, especially with uh, some of their measurables and how they performed at college, uh, Tay Gowan actually was just an opt-out in 2020. And uh, Marco Wilson had just numbers that were off the charts at his pro day. Uh, they, they're going to get a chance to compete and come in there and possibly, if not day one, start or look to get some quality reps here midway through the season towards the end of the season. So they're going to come in at number 10 on our list for the opportunity to contribute in 2021. 
Uh, next up is going to be Daz Newsome, the wide receiver out of North Carolina. Uh, he was selected in the sixth round by the Chicago Bears. And this one's a little bit more of a projection just because uh, currently on the roster, he's, he's a little bit buried. He, they recently had some uh, signed Demir Bird, and they still have Anthony Miller there, even though he's he's been a trade candidate in the most recent uh, rumors. But uh, he, he's going to get an opportunity, especially uh, with what he did after the catch at North Carolina. Uh, when you look at the Chicago Bears offense, uh, wide, three, wide receiver three targets, they they had about 76 targets were distributed to the number three option in their offense last year, and they had about 39 for their wide receiver four. So being a six-round pick, if he can win that third wide receiver, fourth wide receiver job, he's going to get the opportunity as a six-round pick to step up to the plate and contribute right off the bat, especially with uh, no matter who they got at quarterback there. It should be an upgrade over Trubisky. So number eight on our list is going to be the safety Hampson Nasir, excuse me, Nasruddin out of Florida State. Uh, he also was a six-round pick uh, out of Florida State, as mentioned, for the New York Jets. He's going to be coming into Robert Sala's defense there. Uh, recently, the Jets actually listed him as a linebacker, not a safety. But uh, I think where his role is going to be mainly is going to be kind of as like that box defender, that box safety, or like a dime package linebacker. Uh, right now, they have no current like backup linebacker or even like box safety kind of guy in that in that defense. Uh, they signed Mark or excuse me, Lamarcus Joyner from the Oakland Raiders, but he's he excels more in like the slot or like the single high safety kind of look. And then when you look at the backups they currently have that could maybe come in in sub-downs, you're looking at guys that have a combined one tackle right now if you go on their depth chart for their website right now, which is definitely not going to stand in the way of a guy like Nazaruddin. And some might say, well, they get C.J. Mosley back. But last time we seen C.J. Mosley play was 2019, and I, I believe it was only like two or three games, and he was injured for most of the season. So he's a high-impact kind of guy. He's a guy that you don't want to come off the field. But who knows what we're going to be getting back with him in 2021. And they also signed Jared Davis from the Detroit Lions. He was kind of a flop, former first-rounder. Uh, they're hoping to get a little bit more production out of him in Salah's scheme. But I definitely think if you want to get a guy, you know, Nasruddin's about – mid-220s, 230s, a uh, lot more athletic than both of them guys that we just mentioned and can come in and you know kind of run with tight ends down the seam. They can uh, take away those inside shallow routes, you know, especially on like third downs. There's a big-time role from there, especially in a pass defense that's it's most likely going to be very porous this upcoming season. So I like uh, uh chances at making the, an impact on the roster here. So the next up here is going to be number seven. I'm going to mention it's going to be Brevin Jordan, tight end out of Miami. He was selected by the Houston Texans in the fifth round of the draft. And I know, I know, Houston Texans are going to be terrible this year. And I agree with you that I don't think the Texans are going to be good at all. When you look at their depth chart, this is by far, I believe, the worst roster in the NFL. So... Brevin Jordan coming in as a fifth rounder, being able to make an impact, and I think he might be able to win the starting job outright. When you look at it right now, they have Farrell Brown as tight end one, and he's had 16 receptions in two years. So that that's eight receptions a year on average, which is hardly anything. And right now, Jordan's listed as tight end two on the, on the depth chart. 
And if we take a look at where David Culley came from, the Baltimore Ravens, both tight ends the last last year combined for 105 targets. Mark Andrews added 88, obviously. And then you had Nick Boyle with about 12. So that's a pretty significant number. So if you're telling me that, oh, well, Farrell Brown's going to be number one, he's going to get 88. No, that's not how it's going to work. Farrell Brown is no Mark Andrews. So it's going to be more split. They're going to try to target uh, the seams, you know, the underneath throws with the tight ends. And Brevin Jordan's much more athletically inclined than many of the more, excuse me, tight ends that you see nowadays, especially in the league. Uh, and he, he's also going to give some flexibility and some H-back sets. He's, they're going to be able to motion him in the backfield, give a couple looks there. But I I, th- I think he can come in and, you know, it's not out of the question. He gets like 40, 50 targets this year, especially even if he doesn't win the starting job. He's going to be on the field. So I, I like Brevin Jordan's chances at making an impact on the roster. So next up is going to be, let me check here. Number six, it's going to be Chris Evans, the running back out of Michigan. Uh, He was drafted in the sixth round by the Cincinnati Bengals. So basically what I'm looking at here is when you see their roster currently, they have Joe Mixon, who's by far the bell cow carrier. Uh, He's had some injury struggles the last couple years. He was nicked up most of last year, missed a lot of games. And you see what Gio Bernard did in his absence was he's a big-time third down receiving threat. And then Samaje Ryan, who's still on the roster, kind of handled more of the, the running load. But they, they did split the carries for the most part. But where I'm interested is you're going to get 43 targets that Gio commanded last year. And even if you take a look at his 2019 stats, it's nothing to, you know, to sneeze at as well either. Uh, Chris Evans is going to give an, get an opportunity to possibly win that outright. I know they got Travion Williams currently on the roster. He was an undrafted free agent last year. But, I mean, this is a guy that you drafted in the sixth round, and Travion Williams is a, is an undrafted free agent. So who knows how committed they are to him on that depth chart. It, it just might be more of a, hey, let's get Chris Evans up to speed. Let's let him get in that, th- that third running back role. Let's let him be our receiving back, a little bit more explosive. Uh, like I said, Samaje P. Ryan is not a third down back. He's not going to command any targets in the passing game. He's going to be more of a bruiser between the tackles that can help, you know, spell Mixon when he gets tired. Uh, like I said, it, it, there's a little bit of limited upside here with Mixon being the bell cow. And if he does get hurt, most likely P. Ryan takes most of the carries. But I, I do like his opportunity that he's going to get in the pass game. You could see some of them targets come his way. So then next up on the list is going to be number five, Luke Farrell, the tight end at Ohio State. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars took him at the top of the fifth round. And when you currently look at their depth chart, you got Chris Mannertz, who's the current starter. He's got seven receptions in two years. So <laughs> seven receptions in two years. We just went through this with Farrell Brown just a couple moments back, and that was actually a bigger number. So Mannertz is, I mean, he's technically number one on the depth chart but that's nobody's job I'd almost be shocked if they don't try to add somebody before the season to help give a better outlet for Trevor Lawrence right off the bat and I don't (laughs) I'm gonna laugh here just because I'm probably gonna hear about Tim Tebow Tim Tebow oh Tim Tebow's on the roster he's gonna play tight end he might not even make this team he he's literally in my opinion might not make this team I I don't understand it if if they're gonna give him reps over Luke Farrell that is ridiculous. But I guess if you look at it on the same hand, Luke Farrell should win that job all right. If he can't beat out a Tim Tebow that's never played tight end, 
well, that's his own fault then. But honestly, like, I, I don't think Tebow should be on the team. I think if you want it, if you want his leadership presence in that locker room, you should have just made him a coach. But regardless, this isn't the Tebow show. Uh, when we look at it, uh, Daryl Bevel does like to use his tight ends. He was in uh, Detroit last year uh, working with Hawkinson, and I believe it was it wasn't Darren Fells. It was um, – I can't think of it off the top of my head here. But it's going to be – there was 123 targets there for the tight ends between tight end one and two. Uh, they split it, you know, 101 for obviously for Hawkinson and 22 for the backup. So there's going to be opportunity here for Farrell, whether he's tight end one, tight end two. Uh, he's going to be able to get some target share there. I think if if he he could win the starting job maybe by like midseason if they don't add a, a veteran piece here because I don't I don't see Mannerts holding him off for long, especially with uh, Farrell being the former Ohio State product, and we obviously know Urban Meyer's background. So this is going to be a great opportunity for him there. Number four on the list here is going to be Des Fitzpatrick. He's a fourth-round pick for the Tennessee Titans out of, excuse me, Louisville. So when we take a look at the Tennessee Titans offense last year, they lost 192 targets between players that are no longer on the team, and that's for Jonu Smith, Corey Davis, and Adam Humphreys, and they did add Josh Reynolds from the Los Angeles Rams, and they still have Austin Ferkser, who was tight end two last year, but when you look at the depth chart currently, I mean, Fitzpatrick is definitely the number three receiver here, and Adam Humphreys got 35 targets in an offense behind A.J. Brown and Corey Davis last year, so I understand those 35 targets, it's easy to just write them over to Des Fitzpatrick here, but the more so what I'm looking at here is, is Josh Reynolds the same caliber of receiver that Corey Davis was? If you ask me, I don't believe so. I don't think that Josh Reynolds is automatically going to come in and command the same amount of respect that Corey Davis did. So in my opinion, I almost think that that wide wide receiver three target share is going to be higher than what Adam Humphreys got last year. And you can say anything you want about the 12 personnel when they bring in the two tight ends. But they, I don't really see a significant tight end replacement for Jonu Smith. So Ferkser will be tight end one. He was tight end two last year. They don't really have a clear-cut number two on the roster. I think you see a little bit more 11 personnel than you do 12 than we have in the past. It's all going to be dependent on about how the new OC is going to want to run the offense. But Des Fitzpatrick, definitely a, a viable option here. He's going he's gonna to have... A, Definitely a role as it stands right now in the offense and going to be given every opportunity to succeed. Uh, The next rookie on the list here is going to be number three, Deontay Brown, the offensive guard out of Alabama, selected in the sixth round by the Carolina Panthers. And when you look, take a look at the Carolina Panthers' current depth chart as it stands, uh, they have Pat Elfline, who's a former center who didn't grade out very well with a PFF as well for 2020, hit about a 48 grade with them. And then Dennis Daly's the other starter at guard that they have written in there at about 64.7 PFF grade. So like I said, it's average to below average. And I think Deontay Brown is going to have an opportunity to come in there, especially coming out of a program like Alabama where he was a two-and-a-half-year starter going against SEC competition. And he's just an absolute mammoth of a human being. He's like six-and-a-half feet tall with 360 pounds. I believe his nickname's like Cornbread or something like that. This is a, this is a dude that's going to be able to come in there and maul people inside the trenches for 
the Carolina Panthers, and I think they got a steal. I've actually mentioned on Twitter that I think in about 10 years, we're going to look back and say, like, how did this guy go in the sixth round? He's been starting for the Carolina Panthers for, you know, nine, 10 years. Like, what were, what were we thinking here? So that's going to be number three in my book. The number two uh, day three impact rookie, I think, is going to be Trey Brown out of Oklahoma for the Seattle Seahawks. So currently, the Seattle Seahawks have Trey Flowers and Akella Witherspoon uh, slated to start for them at both outside corner spots. And I, I think that Trey Brown can come in there and probably play in the nickel right off the bat, especially since he's a little bit shorter. But uh, if he if he's looking to get outside and they aren't afraid to use him there with his size, like I said, he's 5'9", 5'10", uh, I think he can beat out Trey Flowers. Uh, when you look at the, the PFF coverage grades for both players last year, Flowers had a 54.4, not good. And Weatherspoon had about 80.2, not bad. But also you got to remember that Weatherspoon is playing in the San Francisco defense there where it's, it's pretty gnarly, the kind of guys they got playing up front for him. It's going to help them in that scheme. So when you take a look at the Seattle defense, finished about 27th in passing yards last year the only way they can go is up from here so I think that Trey Brown is going to have every opportunity to come in there and contribute day one Uh, and like I said I I think he's going to win that job outright if not in the first year second year for sure probably midway through the first year though then the number one day three impact rookie in my book is going to be Amon Ra St. Brown and the number one reason I think that he is going to be an impact rookie day one is going to be, when you take a look at their depth chart right now, you see they got Prashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams, and Quintez Cephas. Now, Cephas wasn't a bad player for them last year, but when we look at the two other guys here, Prashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams have missed significant time with injuries over the last couple years here. I mean, we're talking guys that probably only played half the season, if not less, last year, both combined. So that is going to be the number one contributing factor where he's going to probably come in I think he wins the wide receiver three job right outright day one. And when you take a look at how their targets were distributed last year, wide receiver three in their offense received 33 or 55 targets. And obviously I know it's a different regime here. They got a different offensive coordinator, all that kind of stuff. But man, I don't really see anybody that's going to challenge this guy for playing time right off the bat. I think that by the time we get week one, two, three, you're going to see these guys get nicked up. And Amon Ross St. Brown is a pretty reliable target there at USC all year. Like I said, he's a little undersized at about five foot eleven, So he's probably going to be more relegated to slot work. But we see guys all the time come in and contribute from the slot. I don't think he, I don't think it's that he can't play outside. I just think that's going to be his opportunity out the gate. I just think he's, he's going to be a sticking point on this roster. He's, I loved everything the Detroit Lions did in this draft. And I think that on day three, round four, you get a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown to come in, he is going to make an impact day one. I think he's going to get 70, 80 targets minimum this year. I think that he might lead their team in receiving this year. Him or Hawkinson, it's going to be a competition. So I love what St. Brown brings to the table. Absolute steal for the Detroit Lions in the fourth round. Going to contribute day one. So... Hope you guys liked it. Uh, Those are our top 10 rookies from day three of the 2021 NFL draft. Let us know your thoughts, uh, anybody we missed or anybody that you think doesn't belong on the list. Uh, And always, uh, we'll get to the next uh, segment here. So rolling right into our next segment here is going to be the state your case segment where we 
put out a viewer poll to basically vote on a question that we ask. And then you guys answer, basically stating which one you'd prefer. And then we go and argue that case on your guys' behalf. So in this segment, it's going to be state your case. Disregarding the coaching staff, who would you rather have on your team as your starting running back? And that's going to be Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. Obviously, Najee was selected number 24 in the NFL draft a couple weeks ago to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then the 25th, directly right after that, Jacksonville Jaguars selected Travis Etienne. So they both have been making the rounds here lately as in terms of rookie minicamp and what they put out there uh, for film and what they kind of been doing. Both have been noted as having receiving capabilities and top of being elite runners. But we're going to argue in favor of why Najee Harris is the better player. So if we take a look at the career stats here, and I'm basically going to highlight the last two years where they were significant contributors here. So Najee Harris over the last two seasons had 2,690 yards. He averaged about 5.8 yards per carry and had about 70 catches for 11 touchdowns in the last two seasons here. And he actually had 43 catches for 425 yards this last year playing for Alabama. Yeah. And then if we take a look at Travis Etienne's stats the last couple years here, had about 2,528 yards, 33 touchdowns on the ground, in addition to right around 1,000 yards receiving, six touchdowns. So the stats are fairly similar. And for being two players, uh, they're fairly different in their play styles. When, when we take a look at Najee, he's about six foot three, 230 pounds, and he's a real bruising back. He knows how to finish at the second level. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder and get after you. Uh, he's not as fast as ETN. ETN obviously came out. He's a real burner, threw some weight on. He ran a 4-4 at his pro day, had about 215 pounds. But Najee's 230, runs more of like a 4-6. And it's, in my opinion, it's a very tired comparison when a lot of people come out and say, oh, he's, he's Le'Veon Bell, he's Le'Veon Bell. We hear the Le'Veon Bell thing every year. He's a patient runner. Excuse me, he's a patient runner behind the line. Oh, he's a real big guy. He's got some receiving capability. But I, I actually put it out there before the draft that, I mean, he is like the closest thing, in my opinion, to what we've seen to Le'Veon Bell. Like when you match him up size-wise, I think Le'Veon was about seven pounds heavier coming out of Michigan State. And Najee, obviously 230, they're, bo- they're both giants. And they both have exceptional hands out of the backfield. We can remember back in about 2017, 2018 in Pittsburgh, when they frequently would split out Le'Veon Bell outside the formation, put him at like an X or Z receiver, let him run some slant routes, match up on a linebacker. And uh, it was rumored coming out of Pittsburgh's camp that that's kind of what they were repping Najee at during the the rookie mini camp here after the draft. And I know a lot of people like to get fired up like, oh, why are they running him at receiver? You know, eat the same thing with ETN. Why are they running him at receiver? It's, it's so dumb. They just make him a running back. But in my opinion, it doesn't hurt to do it. Like, you, you might as well give him a test run. Like, you know, let's let's have you try this absolutely crazy thing when we have you with the other six-round draft picks in addition to all these, you know, undrafted free agents just trying out to try to make the team. You know, this, this is something that not a high impact. We know you're going to make the roster. You're a first-round pick. We're going to have you do something ridiculous. So when we get to mini camp or training camp, hey, we tried it, looked dumb, never do it again. Or maybe, hey, it. He didn't look bad. He looked a little fluid. He's got good hands, runs good routes, gets fast in and out of his breaks. Let's try it again. Let's put him against the ones, against the twos, see what it looks like. So I didn't completely hate that idea, but nonetheless, we're getting a little off topic there.
but no so in my opinion they have two very different styles etn's kind of your your stick the foot in the ground one cut guy get up and down on the field get fast uh fits phenomenal in that that wide zone scheme outside zone kind of what they run in like be san francisco and the new york jets are very similar to that and i, I think urban's going to try to implement some of that stuff in in his offense as well when you think back to the ohio state spread that they ran and uh, obviously etn's capabilities out of the backfield uh very electric he had great hands i believe what was his stats let me pull him up here i apologize i didn't have this ready to roll but he like i said he had 75 or no 85 catches 85 catches in the last two years at clemson that's pretty elite for running back especially averaging right around 12 yards a reception so Najee, on the other hand more physical play style downhill not afraid to get second level run guys over great hands out of the backfield and surprisingly i i thought Najee had much better lateral quickness he's really good with the jump cuts behind the line he's able to get you know find small creases make that huge cutback when you know you're going all the way to the left on an outside zone play cut it all the way back to the right side of the line there if they get second level I, I thought he was phenomenal at doing that and when we look at etn i thought he he can cut he sticks his foot in the ground he gets upfield but i don't think he's got quite the same lateral quickness as Najee. that's kind of what sets him apart and Najee's a little bit more physical so in terms of a profile what you're looking for in running back the next level i like the bruiser that can get lateral, get down the field. And like I said, this the speed difference is it's pretty significant, but I mean four six at the next level isn't gonna kill you. You look at guys like Camaro, they ran like four five seven coming out. Like that that's by no means a bad number. So I, I don't think he's gonna have like phenomenal breakaway speed. He's gonna make the long run, but he's gonna be able to do the the dirty work in between the tackles that you like. And he's also gonna bring another element in terms of lateral quickness to the game as well too. So they they stack up pretty similar, but they could be a little couldn't be a little bit different in uh, their play styles. And then in terms of what we're looking at, when you see the situation that they're coming into, you look at the Jags backfield and it's extremely crowded. They got James Robinson, the undrafted free agent that made the Pro Bowl last year, ran for about a thousand yards. And then you pair that with, you know, Urban's guy and Carlos Hyde that they signed this offseason. That's that's a crowded backfield. Everybody's going to get touches there. You know, those are three quality backs that are going to look to contribute. When you look at Pittsburgh, I mean, James Conner left town. You got Benny Snell, I, I believe, correct me, you know, you guys can feel free to blow me up afterwards if I'm wrong here. But three and a half yards of carry for Benny Snell, I think it was 3.3 actually if we're being specific. That don't cut it for me. That don't get you on the field. And I know they drafted Anthony McFarland. I believe it was like the third or fourth round last year out of Maryland. But, I mean, you're taking a guy at round one. You're going to make him the lead dog. And I don't see either of them guys even coming close to threatening his touches this year. So when we look at the Steelers, they had about 280 attempts for their top two backs this last year for about 1,000 yards, 1,089 to be specific. And you're looking at about 3.8 yards per attempt. When you compare that to what Najee did, I know it's obviously college, but it's still SEC competition. It's guys that are going to be playing on Sundays. Five and a half or 5.8 yards per carry compared to the 3.8 coming out of the Steelers' backfield last year is significant. He's getting two more yards every time he's toting the rock, over 280 attempts. That's like 560 yards. I mean, that that's some pretty crazy production. So, I mean, we're obviously not expecting him to get 5.8 again, but I don't think four and a half fives out of the, out of the question. 
especially since uh, when we, we look at how Ben Roethlisberger's played these last couple years, I mean, he has not been a factor throwing the ball deep down the field. I think they're going to want to get back to more of the offense that they ran in like 2018, 2019. You know, when you got guys like James Conner running for 1,200 yards, they're going to try to put the ball in Najee's hands. They're going to let him be a workhorse. They're going to let him be a dog in between the tackles. They're going to keep him on the field three downs. They're going to throw swing passes to him. They're going to split him out. They're going to run him at an X receiver like they were just talking. He is going to get 20 to 25 touches a game, not quite the 30 or 40 that uh, Cameron Hayward was talking about. I don't know what kind of offense he's he thinks they're going to be running. But in terms of what Najee brings to this offense, it's going to be a, a dimension that they haven't had in quite a few years here, especially with the oft-injured James Conner back there and Benny Snell not bringing the production that they were expecting out of him out of Memphis either. So I think that Najee can step in, be 1,200, 1,300 yards right off the bat this this upcoming year. He's going to probably get at least four or 500 yards receiving. I think he's going to be absolutely a spark plug for this offense. He brings a dimension that they've been lacking. He's going to be able to take the ball out of Big Ben's hands, uh, limit the shots down the field, kind of open things up for him as well, too. It's not going to be as many tight windows he's going to have to throw through. So I think Najee's going to be a significant contributor for this offense, regardless of who's going to be running it, where he's coming out of. He is going to have to fight for touches. He's going to be the lead back. He's going to be a significant, significant contributor. I could see almost rookie of the year potential for this guy. The ceiling is going to be limitless for him there in Pittsburgh. He's going to fit in day one. That's going to be it for this week's episode. We appreciate everybody tuning in, listening to what we had to say on the State Your Case segment on Najee Harris, the top three, or excuse me, the top day three rookies from the NFL draft in 2021, and just hearing our take on some of the recent NFL transactions. So as always, make sure you tune in next week, subscribe to the podcast, make sure you follow our Twitter page. We're always posting content there. We're posting our podcast there. Otherwise, make sure if you're subscribed, then you'll get at least get the, the notification when it comes out. So we'll have a good episode lined up for you. We're going to be uh, power ranking the NFL teams, the top five and the bottom five heading into the 2021 season. And obviously, we'll be bringing back state your case as well, too. So make sure you uh, tune in next week for that. And as always, we're going to end the show here with the This Drafts on Us, uh, where you we do a trivia giveaway and the winner gets... Uh, Venmo money for the next round of drinks on us. So obviously, if you choose to use that money for something else, that's that's your choice. But basically, that's a, what our trivia giveaway is going to be here, giving away a round of drinks on the show. So the trivia question once again is: Who is the all-time passing yards leader in the history of Clemson football? To make sure you're an, you're entered in the contest, go to our Twitter page, follow it, make sure you're there for when you, we announce the winner. And then DM us your answer, and then make sure you retweet the pin podcast on our main profile. So once again, who is the all-time passing yards leader in the history of Clemson football? Follow our Twitter page, DM us your answer, retweet the podcast on the main page that's pinned there. So once again, we appreciate everybody tuning in. And actually, the most surprising thing from today's episode is we made it through the whole thing without talking about Aaron Rodgers one time. So would you look at that? It's it's a new day. It's a new week. So make sure you guys tune in next week. We'll have another great show lined up for you. And we appreciate your time. <laughs>